0: I'm Mark Middleton along with Bill Schaefer, and this is a special Active Aging Week presented by Humana podcast series of Growing Boulder. This is the 20th anniversary of Active Aging Week, which was created in 2003 by the International Council on Active Aging.
1: It's a week-long campaign, and it is celebrated around the globe. It highlights the positive aspects of aging and shares the keys that can help us all live happier and healthier lives.
0: Yeah, it's pretty cool, and in this series of Active Aging Week, presented by Humana Podcast. You're going to hear from global thought leaders, some health experts, even an Olympic champion, and of course ordinary people who no matter their age, abilities, opportunities, or challenges have all found ways to live with passion, purpose, and possibility.
1: You know, When we think about aging and getting older, one of the first things we think of are the physical challenges. But there's something every bit as important, too, that often gets overlooked. There's no question about it. Along with aging comes change, and sometimes there's a lot of it. Some of it is great. I mean, having time for interest, for travel, volunteer work. But some of it's not so great. Losing family, friends, sickness, disease coping with change, moving. There are a lot of things that can knock you off your foundation, leave you unsettled and anxious, sometimes even depressed. So how do we deal with that? Well, let's find out. Cassie Hauf is the Associate Vice President of Behavioral Health Strategy for Humana, and she joins us now with some insight. Hi, Cassie. How are you?
2: Hi, Bill. Thanks for having me. I'm doing well today. How are you?
1: Great. First of all, this is the International Council on Active Aging's Active Aging Week. So you're here at a great time. And let's start from right there. From your perspective, let's start with what does active aging mean to you?
2: Active aging is a great description for what it is. I think uh, when we think about folks in this population over 60 or over 65, if they might be on Medicare... As they age, as you referenced, they have a lot of new challenges or changes to their life, but they're taking it in stride. So I think active aging to me just means hitting it head on, running towards those changes with a lot of positivity and great options for for how they want that aging experience to look for them as individuals and as a population. So, you know, I'm seeing in this population, um, They are staying very active physically. They're, they're staying very open and, and honest with their families about the process. A lot of, a lot of dynamics occurring with caregiving and uh, the experience they're having, but they're out there and they're, and they're trying new things and they're active in their communities.
1: You know, we we do tend to talk a lot about the the new opportunities that didn't exist before, but there maybe there's a wider range of possibility than ever. Now, when we age some people on the positive side and it can be a struggle for people as well in your work, you see all kinds of people 60 and up. What is it like out there? Are there more people that seem to be ready for this new age stage or are there a lot of people that get there very unprepared?
2: Oh, I think I think it runs the gamut. Of course, everyone's situation is a little different. And at Humana, you know, we work with over five and a half million individuals in this population. And so we see everything from folks who have had a lot of change or a lot of things occur that they weren't expecting um, in their path to aging. And, and that creates some scenarios where they need support or needs from just the most basic things into their healthcare and mental health care. But a lot of individuals that we run into, it's a very positive story about how they how they are facing aging. And, you know, my personal experience is that this is a group that has so much to teach so much wisdom to bestow, so much experience to share. And they use all of that, you know, to to define the story that they want for their retirement, for their process in, um, in aging. So it's a very vibrant community. And I would say they're actively still shaping the community, regardless of what geography we're talking about.
1: We're talking with Cassie Howe. And, and one thing I wanted to point out, I, I think your job is is really interesting, your career. I'm guessing that behavioral health strategy is a position that a generation ago didn't even exist. Tell us what that is and and how do you use it to make a difference?
2: The conversation about behavioral health has certainly evolved quite a bit um, in recent years. My role with Humana is to lead for our Medicare population um, the strategy surrounding the clinical experience. So that would be inclusive of the benefits for behavioral health that we put on our plans as well as what other programs or efforts we can include in the role of the payer to help improve member outcomes, and that would be, you know, physical and mental health. And and I think the term behavioral health has evolved quite a bit as well. So I just wanted to mention for folks that are like, what does that mean, and how is that different from how we used to talk about this? Um, it's really an umbrella term that we use to be inclusive of any mental health struggle or situation, as well as substance use. So we've really evolved in our culture and understanding of that spectrum of, of need and, um, and those behaviors. And so we're here to support everyone across that spectrum from, you know, just the mild point in time need to those that have, you know, some, some more serious needs and it's affecting their day to day function.
1: People are all individuals and different things happen to different people. But I think that one thing you could say about those of us who are 65 and older is that we've had to deal with uh, some sort of loss and grief. I mean, it's like a part of aging. How do do we cope? How do we deal with that? And how do we best get through it? Because we all have to face it.
2: Everyone's a little different in how they might feel they want to handle this. But there are some truly... Research based and in practice based evidence based things you can do to help yourself uh, through the process. And it sort of depends on where you are and how it's affecting you. But, you know, one of the things that sounds very, very simple in practice, but just can be challenging is to kind of push yourself to talk to someone you connect with, you know, on a personal level about the experience you're having. So. Just let them know where you're at. Check in and talk about the loss you've experienced or your feelings about impending loss. And that can be, you know, a friend, a family member, a loved one, spiritual leader, counselor, community health individual in your in your area. But you can also seek out, you know, a professional for that if it's getting to be too heavy, if it's getting to be too much. Mention it at your next primary care doctor visit And maybe even seek out, you know, some resources for a mental health professional, because they are great, you know, unbiased third parties that are just trained to listen and and provide some awesome support without judgment.
1: Cassie, are we still part of that generation that hesitates to do that? I mean, we kind of think, well, come on, get over it, fix yourself. Uh, what are you whining about? I mean, grief is one thing because everyone can identify with that. But even simple things like loneliness or isolation where maybe we're a little embarrassed to admit that maybe we have depression or loneliness. And a lot of people do.
2: It's true. It's, it's one of those things that generationally it can vary, you know, how it was talked about in your family or how you were raised and reared, you know, along those lines. But there's a, a shocking sort of correlation between that isolation and loneliness and mental health challenges. So for those that sort of struggle with just starting with that conversation, there's some stair steps, you know, to that process where you could, you can think about how you're spending your time and what brings you joy and energy and just seek to get out and do more with those that you connect with. So I would say that. There's this sort of personal experience that I have with doing something, you know, moving your body and being busy with someone that you connect with or you're close with can be an open door to conversation. So if you go for a walk, you don't have to jump into the discussion of loneliness right out of the bat. It might be the second or third time you meet up um, with someone to walk your dog. I personally have joined the pickleball craze recently, and I will say most of the folks who are beating me pretty badly on the court are over 65. And they are very gracious about it, but they love to tell me about their lives when um, we're waiting for our next turn on the court. So there's some great opportunities to use that move your body and move your mind together opportunity to sort of open the door to it and and start to form connection that can actually help with that loneliness, even if you're not quite ready to talk about it in in a really open way yet. I always want to say, hey, if you are in a moment where you just feel a little bit hopeless or you're beyond what the scope of where you feel like you can talk to someone that is a connection that you already have, you can call 988. It's a crisis hotline if your mental health is suffering or you're struggling with substance use and folks will pick up and, and help you out, help you think about what that next step should be and how you can get get help to move forward.
1: And what a great point that is, Cassie, because sometimes taking that first step Getting out, joining a group, playing pickleball can kind of fill that gap and you're ending up kind of curing yourself without even realizing it. And, you know, it's, it's like when you go to the gym, everybody kind of understands how important that is to to work out, at least from the perspective of keeping our bodies in shape. But people also worry a lot about dementia it seems to be on the rise. Is, is, there a way, is there a way to exercise our minds the same way we do our bodies?
2: Absolutely. And I think a lot of folks think they might read about this as it's all genetics or it's all diet or it's all this or that. There's a lot of factors to what leads to cognitive decline. And some cognitive decline is, is normal and typical with aging. But there are ways that you can keep your mind in healthy and in better shape, including a healthy diet, healthy choices for your body just moving your body is actually one way that you are helping your mind interconnected system, right. Between um, our mind and body and, and all the amazing, you know, chemicals that are, that we're fueling by moving our bodies, but some other more specific things that are, you know, validated in research are things like stimulating the mind in a new way, or in a way that makes you think outside the box of what you normally do. So taking up a new skill or even teaching a skill to someone else are great ways to stimulate your brain, doing jigsaw puzzles, playing cards, taking on a project with your hands that promotes that coordination and thinking like quilting or sewing or woodworking. And then there's there's one of my favorites which is just the intergenerational connection is very stimulating. So having to understand the way communication is occurring with our youngest youngest folks would be a plug for you to get out there and play with your grandkids or your proxy grandkids in the community.
1: Those are fantastic. You know, another thing that we've heard of a lot is just getting out in nature, like walking in the yes. woods or, or being by a lake. Does that make a difference?
2: It makes a big difference. I will tell you that in my neighborhood, I get more gardening tips from um, <laughs> the retirees in the neighborhood uh, than I can actually put into practice. And that is a wonderful way to move your body and stimulate your mind is to be outside in nature. It, it actually draws you out of that self-view um, and that's some of the other ways that this is important. If you are, if you're feeling sad and down, you are internally focused. And that external locus of focus is like, that's going to help you just sort of get outside those thoughts and, and see things from a new perspective. So being outside in nature, taking a walk, gardening, things like that, bird watching, whatever your fancy is.
1: Well, here's a big one that you hear people talk about a lot these days, and it's having a purpose. What What is that really all about? How important is
2: that? It's very important. Um, it's important for folks of any age. But I think a lot of folks in this age bracket have sort of gone through big changes and then they feel like maybe they've lost that connection to that identity that they maybe felt when they were working or raising a family and those types of things, I would say that what we see is having a purpose is is really what spurs that external connection and focus um, in your day-to-day. And that can look a lot of different ways. So I think the important thing for that is to do as much as you can, try out things and see what really brings that energy for you and that joy. It can be volunteering. It can be spiritual church connections, if that's your Type of space or or any religious organization. It could be connections to those community groups or areas where there's there's others that you can connect with and give back. That's just an awesome way to kind of repurpose all that experience you have. Um, but there's so many different ways outside of of just giving of your time and energy that that might be of interest to you. I love to pull on a personal example of someone that's uh, in my neighborhood that. Lives close by is a is a widow, and I think it, at first when when her life changed in that way, she was living alone. She really struggled with it, but she ended up getting a little dog. It's very therapeutic for her to walk the dog several times a day. And then once she was getting out and you know meeting with neighbors, she started to get connected in other ways. So when I check in with her now, she's participating in the arts. She has a public policy group locally that she drives to a couple times a week, and they have active conversation about what's happening in the nation and the world. She's gardening, she's volunteering, and it just, you know, it spurred her on to find new purpose in new ways, and you have to take some small steps to to find what that means for you.
1: You know, listening to you, Cassie, this this is such an important conversation, and almost everything we've talked about so far comes back to social connections, making friends, stepping out, joining groups. Talk about the power of social connection. Is that an exaggeration? Is it important to have people in our lives?
2: It's so important. Simply put, we're a social species. You know, this is this is a part of our identity and You can have a self-identity, but we really, as individuals, see that reinforced by those social connections we make. So, you know, unfortunately, that isolation and loneliness are associated over time with having more mental health challenges and even faster cognitive decline. So I think the quality of those connections and interactions matter. I keep talking about taking these small steps, and I think that's important for folks who are really struggling. So the first step, if you just you know, are really struggling and, and don't feel like leaving the house is to is to find a purpose in doing that. Something you need to do, like go to the grocery store and try a new recipe. And, and yet over time, walking through a grocery store and not speaking to anyone is not going to sustain that connection. So it's important to take on those activities of daily living and, and keep going and then start to stave off that isolation and loneliness by finding those areas or or activities where where you can enjoy yourself and and find that connection to others at the same time.
1: I like that, though. The little steps make the biggest difference when you think of it that way. It's not really an overwhelming task. You're just doing a little bit more than you did the day before. And I, I think it's really valuable because of the career that you have, you've got a really clear view of what happens as we age and what we really need to age well. You see some people doing things right and you see others doing the same things wrong over and over again. So what can you tell us? What, what advice can you give us for what we need to live our best lives and what mistakes we most often make?
2: I think, you know, some of the, some of the mistakes we make Everyone makes mistakes. Some of the mistakes we make are to connect a mistake or a miss with a holistic failure. You know, everyone makes mistakes, and it's really how mistakes in their lives and their choices. It's how you respond to those and what the next choice or the next right choice needs to be for you Um, to live your best life is to is to define what that value and meaning is for you. It's not going to look the same as your neighbor or your friend, but what brings you joy and then increases that level of energy for you you know, it will be self-sustaining and driving you forward to to do those activities, to keep you moving, to be an active participant in your health and well-being. It's okay that everyone's at a different place. I mean, like you said, it sounds simple, it's not rocket science, but these are the same lessons we're learning through our entire lifetime, that it's okay that everyone's different and at a different place on their journey. So to the extent that you can be accepting of, of yourself in that process and where you are today um, and just say, you know, that's okay, it's okay that I'm here today, set a goal for where you want to be tomorrow, give it a shot and and keep going is is really the way to to live your best life. And lots of stuff out there about goal setting and, and our mental health and everybody's a little different. Those can be big goals or small goals. Um, I had a goal just to plant some tomatoes and hopefully like have some ripen and eat them before the squirrels did this year. And, you know, that's a that's a small goal, but I'm super excited to achieve it um, in all that I have going on. So you know, it, it can be a really small thing for you and it can it can be an opportunity for you to start looking, you know, deeper and further into what you want to do with these changes that you're experiencing in life.
1: What are some other things that that we should talk about or points that we should make?
2: There's a little bit of my perspective for the work I do with Humana just to let folks know that there's a stigma around needing help or needing support beyond the, these amazing opportunities we have to create social connection, to avoid isolation. but if if unfortunately you found yourself in a place where you know you're you're struggling and you might not be in a fully hopeless spot but you think maybe talking to someone would be an option. most health plans these days for the over 60 over 65 population have, free resources available. Like you can, you can get in touch with a therapist who will meet with you regularly at no cost to you, and you can do it from the comfort of your home. So it's an easy path to get started. And then another thing that I think is really important, you know, to talk about, which is another area of passion for me is this process. And as we decline and experience health changes that we should really think about the opportunity to talk to our family about what we want for our future. So just start talking about things like living wills and a power of attorney so that if the inevitable happens, everyone can feel calm about that situation and what to do.
1: Did your friends or family, do they say, what your life, you have a lot of focus on older people. Why do you want to do that? You know, because do you know what I mean? Because we all have our own idea of what it's like to get older. There are a lot of stereotypes out there. and, And I'm guessing that you probably had some that you say, hey, it's really not like that.
2: Oh, no, it's not. Um, everybody's different in their understanding of the population and, and what they do with their time. But I don't think you could talk to any of my friends and they would be surprised by how much I love this population. Age is really just a number. You know, I referenced my neighbor, Marie June, who I play pickleball with is, um, you know, was amazing and teaching me how to improve my form. I mean, it's just people don't realize just how much Um, this population has to give. If you think you're an expert in your field in your 30s or 40s, think about what someone in their 60s and 70s has multiple times over on you um, and experiences and wisdom to share. So this is a population where I think people write write them off too quickly or, or think they don't have anything to give. But I think that you know, there's, there's something we give to each other in these connections. And I will say though, like personally, no one, no one in my life is really surprised by my interest in this population, but um, I could see how there are folks out there who have a misunderstanding of of what it's like to age or, or what's happening with this population. They have so much to give. They're great friends, they're great neighbors. And I would encourage everyone who, You know has a sense of stigma or misunderstanding is to is to start making those connections as well if you happen to be listening and you're not in that aging growing bolder age bracket to start looking left and right and realizing these folks are are ready and willing to connect with you as well
1: i love that that's fantastic a pep talk to people who are in their 20s, 30s, and 40s about how, how to appreciate what's out there and uh, to look at aging instead of a time of decline as, as a time of opportunity, something that they can look forward to if they start making the right kinds of choices now. So since you took care of that so well, I'm kind to kind of push you a little bit to say let's give the pep talk to people who are 65 and over about, man, uh, what's possible
2: Yes, what's possible? Everything's possible. This is an opportunity for you to realize and recognize that you are not obsolete, that just because you may not be living in the same way with the same type of day job, recognize the power you can have on the entirety of our population in teaching them the thoughtfulness they can bring to their day-to-day lives, the joy, the lessons you can teach them about what they might be thinking when they reach this point and look back, help them understand what's important in life, help them help them in connection slow down and savor you know, every stage along the way. Um, this is a very common thing we hear. You're not going to reach this point and look back and say, oh man, I wish I'd put in more hours at work. I'm so disappointed that I didn't hustle more. Um, you're gonna hear things like, I wish that I'd savor those moments just to enjoy the process for what it is. So I think for this population, I, my pep talk is, Look around at who you can help positively impact along the way now and don't sell yourself short in terms of what impact you can still have um, in your social connections, regardless of that individual's age. It is not just your peers in the over 60 bracket that understand or are willing um, to create connection with you.
1: That's awesome. The time to make the change is now. It's today. No matter how old we are, we can live our best lives possible if we live them with intent and get out there and think a little bit and try. That's great. Great, valuable insight and great information from Cassie Houth, Associate Vice President of Behavioral Health Strategy for Humana. Folks, it's not just up to fate. We all have a big part in determining how we age how we face up to our challenges, and yes, how much joy we can extract from life for as long as we possibly can. Our thanks to Cassie Hough for a great conversation.
0: That is some excellent insight as to what it's like out there for a lot of people and how we can make sure to maximize our passions, our purpose, and our sense of wellness. And that's really what Active Aging Week presented by Humana is all about. So folks, be sure to check us out as we share the International Council on Active Aging's Seven Dimensions of Wellness with videos, articles, and more podcasts like this, and a complimentary downloadable workbook that is full of great resources to help you get started to a happier and healthier future. For more information, ActiveAgingWeek.com and HumanaNeighborhoodCenter.com.